0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. So go ahead, if you will, turn in your Bibles. If you brought a Bible with you, you can go to the book of John, chapter 17. If you don't have... Um, like a tangible paper one. I always tell people go to the Uversion Bible app. It's free. Download it. It is an amazing tool that you can use pretty much any time. And if you have none of those, don't worry about it. I'll have it up on the screen behind me so that you can follow along. Every week we go to the Bible. We're not here to give talks. We're not here to just uh, come up with religious thoughts about how we should try to get to God. Uh, God's so gracious he did that for us. Amen. And so we go to the Bible to learn how God desires to have relationship with us and how we can respond to that. So I'm in John chapter 17, that's in a, kind of towards the beginning of the New Testament, uh, open to the middle of your Bible and then go maybe about another inch and a half from your right to your left and you might be close to it. Uh, chapter 17 we're, is, a, is a pretty cool chapter because we're, we're literally able to watch Jesus talk to the Father. Uh, have his own conversation with the Father to pray, and he's he's praying for for you, and he's praying for me. He, the time he's praying for the disciples that he knew in the flesh, and uh, and it's some beautiful words. So I'm going to read. I'm actually going to start. Uh, there might be a few verses up there before, but I'm going to start in verse 14 for the sake of time today to really kind of get us into the heart and meat of, of of the message that we that we have for today. Starting in verse 14. Jesus says, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Some of us are like, please take us. Jesus is like, not yet, not yet. But to keep them safe from the evil one. Notice the difference between two focuses there. He's keeping us in the world, but it doesn't say he's protecting us from the evil world. It says he's protecting us from the evil one. The two are different. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. That's a great underline if, if you have your Bible. Um, your word is truth. And verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, check this out. I am sending them into the world. And let me, let me read verse 20 right after that. Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, But here you go. But also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Guess what? That's you and me. And not only you and me, but once we respond to the truth of who Jesus is, and we have the opportunity to build relationships with people in our world and in the world around us, then we get to share that with them. And so Jesus is talking about them as well. So, Father, I pray that in the time we have this morning, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our ears to hear what you're trying to say. God, we thank you that you do not make it complicated, but through your kindness and your love, you are leading us literally into green pastures to follow you and to grow and to understand how you made us to live and what you made us for. And so we ask today that you would open those up for every single person here, no matter where we are in our journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're in this series right now called About That Life. We're talking about following Jesus. As a church, we want to be about that life. We want to be individuals who are not doing religion, but we are following Jesus and trying to live the life that he has called us to live. So over the past few weeks, we've been kind of diving in together as a church um, to see what it really looks like to live the life of a Jesus follower. Um, if, we're, if we're going to, because our mission is to lead all people in becoming passionate Jesus followers and influencing every sphere of life. So if we're going to do that, right, we should probably know what that looks like. Now, we can, we can, we can come up with ideas, we can, which usually end up boiling down to being a good person. That's what religion does. Religion basically says, okay, it's all about what you do, and it's all about what you know, and that's what defines who you are and what you believe and who God is and all that. But what God says is, I don't want to have a religion with you, I want to have a relationship with you. And it's not about what you know, and it's not about what you do, it's about being. It's about just being in relationship With God, So the whole core of this life that we want to be about, the life of a Jesus follower, it's all about relationship. And so in week one we talked about how the the relationship, a Jesus follower, is a life that is all about relationship with God. It has to start there. It can go in reverse. If we miss this point that everything that we're doing is about a relationship with God, then everything else really does get thrown off. Because most religions around the world would say, well, you gotta be a good person in some regards, and they define it in different ways. And so everything becomes defined based on what you're doing. And 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 how you and what you know so that you can argue with people who believe differently than what you believe. See, when everything gets boiled down to an argument, a head knowledge argument about what you believe and about what I believe, it's never going to lead people to a life-giving relationship revealing to them who God is. And I used to like I grew up, I grew up being taught like you gotta know your stuff because so you can just destroy somebody who doesn't. There's a little competitive spirit in there, you know, like I'm going to prove you wrong. Like even, with, even within the church, all the different little nuances and denominational preferences and, and uh, all the different uh, breakdowns of what that Scripture actually meant and what the Holy Spirit's supposed to be, and who God is and who God's not, and who God used to be and who we think God is now. And now now the world looks at the church like we're crazy. and they're right. We are a little bit crazy. But for us to get, well, that's maybe that's up for debate in different, different factors, but in the essence of how we operate in the world around us, the world is looking at the church by and large saying, no, thank you, I'm good. But we know that they're not good. We know that they are hurting and broken. We know that they are in need of something that they don't know how to get. We know that they are desperate, and so in their desperation, the world is doing things that so many people from a religious standpoint point at and tell the world that they're doing it wrong. And we're not, we're not doing anything to point people to a life-giving relationship with God. We're only making the divide between where the world is and where God is broader. And so what God is trying to do and what the church is supposed to be is an is a entity, a relationship, a body that actually closes that gap. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And a Jesus follower is not supposed to live their life for Jesus. A Jesus follower is a person who allows Jesus to continue to live through them. That means that when we are driving people apart, that we are not doing the work of Jesus. We are not being Jesus' followers. We are not being the church. I could even go as far as to say we are operating in the spirit of Antichrist when we are dividing people. But when we are pulling people together, we are stepping into the very ministry that Jesus continued, which is the ministry of reconciliation. Man, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm trying gotta do some notes. So, week one <laughs> is all about the relationship with the Father. Week two, which was last week, you can go back and, and get the full meal deal in our podcast. But uh, week two said that following Jesus is about that relationship with one another. That's within the church. That doesn't mean within the building, because the building is not the church. The people are the church. This is a school, <laughs> this is not the church. But if you are a Jesus follower, You cannot have the full relationship with God if you reject the relationship with God's people. It is impossible. They are not mutually exclusive. They are completely dependent together. Because God told Adam, or God spoke when he created Adam, very in the beginning, in Genesis chapter two, he made all of creation and he kept saying, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. But after he created Adam, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. And last week, we kind of dove into that, and I got a lot out of last week if nobody else did. But the reality of the fact that God had, he basically had heaven. Adam had heaven. He was in a sinless situation, perfect creation, uh, intimate, unlimited communion with God, yet God still said it's still not good. And so that's why he made Eve. And it wasn't just a marriage situation. God was painting a picture that you and I need each other. We need community. With other people who are following Jesus, who are working out this journey, who are imperfect individuals, who are are in relationship with other imperfect individuals, who are going after a perfect God who first came after us. And so you can't have the depth of intimacy with the Father if you are ignoring and rejecting intimacy within the church. You just can't have it. You will always, even in your own relationship with God, as great as it might be, you will always hit a glass ceiling if you are putting yourself in a place of isolation. So today, the focus today, following Jesus, is about that relationship with the world. And that speaks specifically to people who are not currently in relationship with God. People, whether they reject, whether they're skeptical, whether they're not sure, no matter where you are in the journey, today we're talking about what it means to be a Jesus follower in the context of our relationship with the world. And here at Convo Church, we know every single week because this is the type of church we are. We're not attempting to gather all the righteous people, we're trying to gather people who feel like they're far from God. And so if you're here today and you're a skeptic or you're not sure about the Jesus thing or somebody drag, dragged you here because they're really good friends and, they, and you, you, know, you finally were tired of them asking and you finally came today, listen, you're in a good place, you're in a safe place. This is not a religious place. This is a place where you can even belong before you believe. That's why we do what we do. But our purpose in in that is hopefully so that through relationship and through the Holy Spirit doing work in your life, even if you're not aware of it yet, that we would help you to come to a relationship where you come to know who God is for who he is and not for who religion says he is. And that can be challenging at times. Here's a statement. This is something that kind of caught me when I was studying through this. The deepest love that one can have is a love for those that may never return that love back to you. <clears throat> Actually, Jesus worded it this way in John 15, 13. He says, he said, greater love has no one than one who would lay his life down for his friend. And I think the word friend there is an interesting choice of words, because like, okay, yeah, you know, friends. I mean, if it, how good is his friend? You know, like, how, like, spouse friend, like that type of closeness, or No, but Jesus is actually referring to the entire world. You're like, yeah, but in other places, doesn't he talk about like how the world hates him? What type of friendship is that? So, you know, a friendship goes two ways, right? There's the way in which you pour yourself into a relationship, and there's the way in which the others pour itself back into. See, what we're taught and what we believe in the world around us, just a normal human interaction, is that to actually have a friendship, it has to be healthy both ways. And from a human standpoint, that's probably wise. But from a God standpoint, God says, I'm going to pursue you with love and with friendship regardless of whether you return it or not. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of what Jesus did when he went to the cross. And as they were nailing him and hanging him up on the cross, as he was basically being brutally murdered for something that he never even did. He hangs on the cross, looks out over those who are crucifying him, and I believe even in his mind can see those in generations to come who will still reject and still not accept that friendship. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That is the heart of God. That's the friendship that he is trying to get. Now, let me paint this picture a little bit more because I think it's important not to like kick ourselves and make, make ourselves feel bad for like, man, just keep blowing it, just keep treating God like he's, like he's not there. It's not, that's not the point. But I think it is good to understand that we get from God what we do not deserve. Let me, let me paint that a little bit more. So if you read, if you wrote this down, Romans chapter 5, it'll probably be up behind me. Romans chapter 5, um, I love the book of Romans, verses 8 through 11. And check this out. This is what it says. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we, can, you, can you put yourself in that place? Identify yourself as the sinner that either you have been or maybe even that you are still wrestling with. That Jesus died for you while you were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, this is, this is super deep but it's super real, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, that's crazy, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. So check this out, when we were living as an enemy of God, what Jesus did on the cross made you a friend of God. So when we were continuing to do things that literally slapped God in the face, that rejected him, that turned on him, that betrayed him, that enacted the very thing that took Christ to the cross in the first place, God is still looking at us as his friend because he's looking at you through the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That's huge, guys, that's huge. I hope that sinks in, I hope you get that today. God's not looking for you to get your act together so that he can like you, so that he can accept you into his family. He already brought you in and accepted you when you were having the worst, most broken, sinful day of your life. So here's the deal though. The deal is that you still have to accept it. You still have to accept that. There there is a broken theology, a belief system out there that says, well. We don't really have to do anything anymore because we just believe that Christ did everything for us and therefore our lives, our lifestyle, our sin, everything is completely covered. So I I can just live the life that I wanna live. I can still live in sin because it's covered. I can still do what I wanna do because it's covered. This life doesn't really matter quite as much. What matters is the afterlife, heaven or hell. And as long as I feel like I've got that figured out, then what I do in this world doesn't really matter. And that's not right. That's not okay because God didn't, didn't didn't die on the cross simply so that we could go to heaven. He died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could live a brand new life now in the image of Christ and continue the work now that Jesus started on the cross. We've got a work to do. Somebody say I've got a ministry. Got a ministry. Say it one more time, like you you actually might have one. I have a ministry. ministry. Somebody's like uh, they have a ministry. No. And guys, I get it. You know, when we, it doesn't take much to, to turn on the news, which I highly counsel against, but you turn on the news or you open a newspaper, you look at a website, I get it. Our world is is struggling, it's broken. Uh, there's ugly stuff happening out there. And, and if you were to listen only to the outside voices, then it's very easy to allow yourself to to park in the side of negativity and it's just all falling apart and the darkness is increasing too much and but, but my Bible tells me, and Jesus tells me, that the light that gets put inside of us is greater than the darkness that is around us, and it actually tells me that that darkness can never, not just not, but can never extinguish the light of God. So if the light of God is in existence, it's not a fair fight. Darkness doesn't have a chance, but we have to choose, <coughs> excuse me, to live in the light of God, Amen. So our relationship with God, it it adds us, it enters us into a relationship with his church. That's other believers, other Jesus followers. It is our privilege to be in relationship with other people that are different than us, but who are following Jesus. I say this a lot too, just because it's it's the core of who we are as a church, but I, I really believe it's the core of the heart of God is that, the church was never meant to be a grouping and a gathering of people who all look the same, act the same, live in the same place, talk the same way, make the same amount of money, have the same color of skin, have the same background. That's not the church because the church is all of God's creation, men and women from all different backgrounds being able to come together. Guys, listen, in this world, we would most of us in here would never be in a place to be in relationship with the other people in this world, I mean in this room, if it had not been for the church. And that's just the greatness and the craziness of God all wrapped in one big thing. It's like, God, why in the world would you wanna bring together black and white and Hispanic and Asian? And, and why would you wanna bring together liberal and conservative? And why'd you wanna bring together the rich and the poor and everything in between? Like, why would you do something that crazy? It would seem so much easier to build your kingdom around the structure and strategy of like-mindedness and likeness on the outside and the inside. God says, I ain't, that's not how I did it. I think I would say, that's boring. <laughs> that's boring and ridiculous. No, God's trying to bring all the beauty and the diversity of his creation together because that is the exemplification of the kingdom of God. And I want our church to look like what heaven's gonna look like. As much as we can figure out. This side. <clears throat> I start talking and I miss my place. Here we go, All right. We're back. Relationship in the community of believers, because we talked about that relationship bringing us together. Relationship in the community of believers places us. Say, that's me. Say, that's me. I'm working hard to wake you all up. I know you all didn't get that hour of sleep, but it's okay. We're here now. We're making it happen. But it places us on mission to reach our world. And remember, you can't, you can't fulfill a relationship with God without your relationship within the church. And again, not the building, but the people. And you can't fulfill your relationship with each other in the church if we are not living the life of a Jesus follower living on mission. We have to stop treating the mission of Christ as if it's an optional thing for people who are extra spiritual. That is just for those who have memorized all the Bible, which that's nobody in here, by the way. It's only for the people who have, you know, the, that special connection with God. It's only for the people that have that really outgoing personality. It's only for the people who are super confident in every single room that they walk in. No, no, the mission of God is for you and it's for me. Listen, as Jesus came into this world with a mission, he has now sent us as his followers into the world with the same mission. I've heard people say this before, so this is not original to me. Uh, but God's church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. And that's people. I mean, we can, and we, we do. We have mission statement, all that, whatever. But at the end of the day, it all boils down to we are here as a church to continue what Jesus started. And to not stop until he takes us home. That's as simple as that. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. That's what God's trying to get at. Now, now here, now what is the mission? Because we live in a world now, and it's actually not a bad thing, but it can get confusing. We live in a very mission-minded world. Everybody has something that they're passionate about. You know, it's national pick up a hamburger rapper day. <laughs> Let's celebrate that, it's good because that means there has to be hamburgers out there, but don't litter. You know, there's, it's, it's national, you know, tell your neighbor that their hair looks good today, day. Like everybody has a mission, right? It's all over the place. Some of them amazing. Some of them just straight up ridiculous. But nonetheless, we can see in our world there is something happening where there is a hunger inside of humanity to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves. Like it's, it's ingrained inside of us. It's actually connected to the God seed that is in every single human being, that need to be a part of something that is not just about me. It's about, man, I gotta do something. I gotta accomplish something. But this is what the ministry actually looks like. In 2 Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse 18, it says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. You can see that picture right there. It wasn't us getting to God, it was God coming after us and bringing us to himself. And God has given us this task or this ministry of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Can I get an amen? Somebody needs to be grateful about that. Even last night maybe, okay. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, We speak for Christ when we plead, like to the world around us when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. And you may think, well, they were never with God. What are they coming back to? No, they were created by God in the image of God. There's a seed of God inside of all of humanity. And so even if maybe on this side of life they've never been in a a, a relationship with God, they never recognize Jesus, no, the cry is still, come back to your Father. Come back to your creator. Come back to God. And it's possible through Jesus. Jesus is, is someone who, or sorry, a Jesus follower, someone who allows Jesus to continue this ministry through them. So I want to, so let me, let me give you a definition really quick. Reconciliation, you throw this up on the screen. It means to reestablish proper, friendly, interpersonal, these are great words, relations after having been disrupted or broken to make things right with one another. So I'm going to do a little illustration here. I need I need two people. Too too quick. Dan, you made eye contact and you already knew before. So, all right. So there's one. Uh, sure, Keith, come on up here. You're, you'll be number two. And in a second, I'll need a third, but not yet. So, Dan, you get to be God. Don't let it go to your head. Okay. Keith, you get to be like all humanity. No pressure. All right. So can you? This is, how, this is how it works. So start. All right, so God, can you take humanity by the hand real quick? Okay, so this, this is how it started. Come on, God, keep it together. Where's the sanitizer? We'll get that in here a little bit later. Let squirt that right here. This is how it all started when God created everything and when God made Adam. There was relationship that was not broken. Are you going to do like the, the finger of God thing? Is that what you were going for? Okay. Why did I pick Dan? Okay, anyway, so. So this is how it was supposed to be, where there was no distance, no separation. But when sin entered the world, and by the way, God did not bring sin into the world, so much of what we see in the world around us, we say things like, and I get it. Are you making eye contact as we stand up here? We say things like, man, why did God make this, or why did God let this happen? But the reality is is that we live in a fallen, broken world that is the result of humanity continually choosing self over God. And so Adam screwed things up because he allowed sin to enter through his choices, and Eve was a part of it too, but it says Adam was standing right there. And so when sin entered the world, this separated. And so oh, there's got to be a little bit more distance. So, so humanity, you go over here, and God, you're good. So basically, you are good, God. Okay, anyway. So basically, yes, yeah, so you were like, I want. You're like, I want, I want, I need, I have to have relationship. But here's the deal. God cannot coexist and cohabitate with sin because he is holy, because he is righteous, because he, if he were to be in contact with and have sin, it would negate him from being able to be the father God that he is. And so God, while humanity's over there doing their own thing, humanity's over here saying, well, we gotta... I feel like there's something in me. I got to figure something out. Maybe if we if we make these things that kind of look like the stuff that we can see and we worship them, maybe that's kind of like worshiping God. So, we'll worship the sun, we'll worship animals, we'll make idols. Modern day terminology. We'll worship our jobs, we'll worship our paychecks, we'll worship our possessions. We'll worship our relationships, we'll worship our politicians. We'll worship, you know, and so we're all trying to figure out in some way shape or form that thing inside of us that, that craves that relationship with God. But here's the deal. Humanity can't do it. God cannot coexist with sin. Humanity is clueless to the problem. And so God says, I, I can't live without my creation. Ada, do you want to be Jesus? Yeah. Okay, Ada, you come up here. Yeah. <laughs> Ada's a reluctant savior. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> no pressure. I mean, we're not gonna crucify you. Okay, anyway, so. So what God did, he goes, I'm going to do what can only be done by me so that I can restore relationship with God. So Ada, can you strike a T-pose right here in the middle? So this is, all right, so, so this is what's going on. So Jesus comes, don't, don't give a real T-pose, come on. There you go, all right, so. So Jesus comes and he basically, literally, you can even visualize the image on the cross, becomes the, the go-between between where God is, where humanity, so grab, grab humanity's hand, grab God's hand, Bring them together, because this is what Jesus does. This is reconciliation. This is Jesus, who is God, bringing humanity back to God. And it's not because humanity deserved it. It's not because humanity earned it. They didn't. They were still in their sin, yet God fulfilled this plan to bring everything back. Now now that Jesus is doing that thing, Jesus, uh, ascend back to heaven in your chair. Okay, so... So Jesus rose from the dead, conquered death, held the greatest, ascended back to heaven. And guess who we now get to, who God uses now to do the same thing? Us, you. Because the life of Jesus, when you accept him, comes and makes his home inside your heart. And the Holy Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Christ, becomes alive inside of you. And so that's why we're not trying to live for God, we're letting Jesus live through us. Because humanity around us is still over here, and God is still separated from humanity who is in sin, and still craves relationship. And since Jesus has gone back to heaven and he created the church and he gave us his spirit, now you and I have this job of taking humanity and bringing it over here and bringing them back to God. That's reconciliation. God, you may have a seat. Humanity, you may have a seat. Well done. I wanted y'all to get that visual, to just understand like what does it mean to have the ministry of reconciliation? That's what it means, like you and I, it's no longer pray in our closet and hope that Jesus keeps doing what he did. It's us praying in our closet and then walking into the world around us to allow Jesus to continue to live through us because you have been given the ministry. Somebody say, I have a ministry. This isn't about whether you've been to Bible college. This isn't about whether you've been to seminary. This isn't about whether you've been prayed over by a mega ministry name and have an anointing. This is about you saying yes to Jesus and allowing the life of Jesus, no matter your personality, no matter your shortcomings, no matter how you see yourself or how other people see you, and reaching out and knowing, hey, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If Jesus can save me, he can save that person. I'm going to grab humanity by the hand, and I'm bringing them back to God, and that's the heart of God. He wants to have that relationship with the entire world. But now that we've, in our own life, for those that are Jesus followers, now that we have experienced this reconciliation ourselves, we don't just go up into the stands and observe God continuing to do the same thing. We get put into the game. We get tapped into the game. That's why we, like in Convo Church, this is not, listen, you don't attend church, you don't attend church. You are the church. But that's, why, that's what makes being a part of a consistent uh, community of Jesus followers. That's what makes even the corporate gathering, and we use that word loosely because some people are like, there it is, corporate. No, it just means a larger grouping of people coming together. That's what makes that so much more valuable and important from week to week not hopping around in places where you never have time to build actual relationship with people because you're chasing after either a gimmick or you're chasing somebody's anointing or you're chasing a religious Christian fad, but you actually find yourself connecting and putting roots down and being planted so that your roots can go deep and then once the roots are deep, then you can begin to bloom, then you can begin to flourish. God is looking to put you in relationship with people who are missional minded and not just because they wanna save the planet but because they wanna see Jesus live through them and save the world. There is a mission that all of us are called to and that doesn't mean that the other things that we do around us aren't valuable but they pale in comparison to the mission of Christ. God is willing, if you are a Jesus follower who's living in the comfort zone God is more than willing to and capable of disrupting your comfort and shaking you out of the quicksand and the concrete where you have been before, where you felt incapable and motionless and you felt dead inside. You knew you're saved, but you knew that you weren't living for anything except for yourself. God is really good at disrupting your life and making you uncomfortable and bringing you to a place where you know that it's time for you to move or do something, but you can't stay where you are. I'm telling you, there is a shaking that is already beginning to happen in our world when it comes to the church. And it's not because the world's getting worse. I honestly don't think the world's any worse than it's ever been from the time that Adam sinned. We just know more about it now because we have technology. Like, wow, it's so much sin. No, it's always been there. But you know what also is unfortunate is that the dysfunction that happens in a Jesus-following context for people who are only living for themselves also becomes more visible because of technology. And so people see what's happening within church circles and, well, I I don't need to be a part of that, man. Church is just a bunch of hypocrites. I don't need that. Well, no, church is just the people that you see everywhere else, but we've encountered the love and the grace of God. And and we're not judging each other because some, some of us are here and some of us are there. We're We're trying to figure this out, and God puts people in your life who are willing to tell you that it's time to get your feet out of the quicksand. It's time to stop attending the church. It's time to begin being the church. It's time to stop uh, saying what God can't do in your life because of fear. It's time to start saying, I will believe what God says I can do because my faith is in him. It's amazing what can happen when we begin to believe the things that God actually says about us. It can change everything can transform everything. Listen, the, the biggest distraction of any mission, or I'm sorry, the biggest disruptance of any mission is a distraction. And sometimes we um, we think, well, the, the, you know, the devil's trying to turn me into a murderer or a crack dealer. No, no, he just wants to distract you off course. He just wants you to be so caught up in social media and watching the news and your job that you forget to open your Bible. He just wants you to be so busy with your commitments and the money that you're trying to make that you can't make it to a small group. He just wants you to be so exhausted from how crazy of a life you're living Monday through Saturday that you're too tired to get up and come on Sunday. He's not trying to turn you into a murderer. He just wants to distract you off of mission because if he can continue to distract you just a little bit off a of mission, you know, you can be off one degree right here and it doesn't seem that much, but if you keep walking in the same direction, one degree off target. You'll turn back eventually and you won't even know where you are. God wants to keep us on track. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I always try to, I always paint, I talk to my kids, I paint this picture. When we go bowling, use the, basically the cheap, you know, you put the bumpers up on the side so you can get a better score, which that actually doesn't guarantee that. Um, but I'm like, that's, the bumpers are kind of like the Holy Spirit. You know, we're on this path. We're trying to get to the pins. We We're trying to get to God. We're trying to do the things that God's called us to do. And I don't know about you, but my path is not exactly straight. Sometimes I veer to the right. Sometimes I veer to the left. And the Holy Spirit is there just to kind of guide you back into place, kind of put you back on track to keep you moving forward in the right direction. God wants you to have grace for yourself because you're not perfect. But he does want to get your attention to the point where you begin to understand that God's called you for something so much bigger than yourself couple of things here. We live on mission when we love people unconditionally. We live on mission when we invite people to a worship experience or to a crew, that's what we call small groups. We live on mission when we share our testimony, our story with other people. We live on mission when we care for the least of these. We live on mission when we serve others expecting nothing in return. We live on mission when we fill ourselves with prayer, with time with God. We live on mission when we fill ourselves with the truth and the word of God. We live on mission when we allow the power and the realness of the Holy Spirit to fill us so much that it begins to pour out of us, impacting other people. Everything that God wants to do and is doing inside of you isn't just for you, it's to flow out of you so that as you live, as Jesus lives through your life, people aren't picking up on the leftovers of your natural life, they're picking up on the overflow of your spiritual life. God is trying to do something in his church that wakes us up The relationship that we have with God, we have to have it, it starts there. And then we have to have a relationship with his church. We have to be in community, we have to be planted, we have to be committed, we have to be invested. But it doesn't stop there. It's not about circling the wagons around the saints, it's about being equipped and prepared so that we can go out and live like Jesus to the world around us, living on mission. It started with Jesus, it continues with you and with me. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church podcast.